This is Life Made Better, a podcast from two coaches with a zest for not only their lives, but yours. In this series, Fleur and Lucia seek out tips, tools, and exercises to inspire you to achieve your dreams and goals. Join us and let's make life better. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Life Made Better. Today we've got, and I am so excited, we've got the most amazing guest, Harold Mintz. Harold is hard to describe in a few words because he has been and done almost everything. He's coming from a background in sales and marketing. He has developed roles on trade show companies, events. He's also worked in entertainment where he worked with his high school friend and Hollywood star director Tom Sadiak. But if Harold had to be introduced or described, I think the most fitting way of doing so would be to speak about his wittiness, hilarious sense of humor and kindness, most definitely kindness, and a strong sense of connectedness and togetherness. He was one of the first people in the United States who donated a kidney as a non-directed donation. He and I met many years ago when we were working together on a documentary release, and it was instantly clear that you could not do nothing but join his party laughs, hard work, and it was a hell of a ride. So Harold, thank you very much for being with us today. It is a pleasure to have you. Thanks. Wherever I go, I want you to do that introduction, whether it's at dinner or wherever. I want you to stick with me. <laughs> noted, noted. <laughs> so Harold, I am sure that people listening to us today would love to hear a bit more about you, your journey, and you know what ultimately brought you to where you are today. Well, certainly uh, on the topic of uh, organ donation, my path is uh, probably like most people listening to this. I didn't spend my whole life going, gee, I can't wait to donate an organ to somebody. Nobody wakes up one day and says, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to cut myself open and give away body parts. That's just not how it works. At least that's not how it worked for me. It's the way I explain it to people is throughout life, small little events transpire in your life. At the time, they're insignificant. You read a newspaper article, or you saw something on TV, or you spoke with somebody standing in line in an airport. Small little things that at the time don't register. But the way I always explain it is each one of those little grains of sand gets put on a scale. And eventually, when enough of them tip the scale, for me at least, I started asking questions. So I hear people like you just introduced me, talking about being one of the first in the United States to donate a kidney. When I hear that, look, I did that almost 20 years ago, but every time I hear that, I go, who, who does that? What kind of person kind of does that kind of thing? It's, it's an odd, uh, today at least, it's rather unique. Not many people do that. But I will share that if any one of you had lived my life and experienced those grains of sand on the same scale, I firmly believe that you probably would have started down the same path, asked the same questions, and very possibly could have ended up on that same operating table. Yeah, watching your movie was uh, so inspiring to think that through your own loss, you lost your father, is that right, when you were young? Yeah. Yeah. And then it felt to me that it kind of gave you that catalyst to that real deep feeling of what it was like to lose someone and you then knew that 
this woman was part of a family and that same feeling was going to be there for other people. Is that, is that right? That's, that's exactly right. So my father passed 20 plus years ago, totally unrelated to organ donation issues or kidney issues. It's cancer. And, but from the time he was diagnosed to the time he passed, it was very short. It's about a month time. And when he passed, I'm the middle of three sons. I have an older brother and a younger brother. And we all, I remember stood around afterwards and kind of said, you know, we could have been the wealthiest people in the DC area where I was at the time, Washington, DC. And it would have had absolutely no impact on the results. Why? Because money was not the issue. Medical technology just wasn't where it needed to be. They didn't know how to fix what issues he had. I understood that. And then I started hearing about people that were dying every day in the United States, 25, 30 people die waiting for a kidney transplant. Now, this is surgery. I'm sure it's complicated. I couldn't do it, but they do it all the time. So why do so many people die? Because there just aren't enough parts on the shelf. And so they couldn't help dad uh, who died of something they didn't know how to fix. And then corresponding that to people dying from something they know exactly what to do to fix them. They just don't have enough parts. That was this for me. That was, it was a conflict. And so it just, uh, as I was talking before about grains of sand on a scale, my father's passing at an early age was the first grain of sand to get me to start noticing a little bit more, which led me to become a blood donor at an early age, regular blood donor. And then all the other grains of sand just started adding, adding up. Mm. What I'm hearing is like, obviously, it's becoming aware of what is happening in your case, obviously, because it, it was sort of brought to you by the death of your father. But let me just say that many people have lost family members, close family members, and it wouldn't necessarily have had that sort of, you know, action reaction. So what I'm loving hearing is that awareness paired with, okay, we've got to do something about it. So understanding that it was on each one of us, not just waiting for something to happen, is the fact that you do play a role in this thing we call life. And the world is just not going to go and fix itself on its own. We all have a responsibility and a commitment to make it better. Yeah, I can only barely speak for me. This lump of meat is all I barely can control. I can't control those other people around me. But one of the things that people say to me when they get a brief background on my story of organ donation, they always go, gee, I could never do something like that. And I always make them pause a little bit. And I'll, I'll, I'll do it with you. So, Lou, could, could, you, could you give to somebody that you didn't know? Yeah, to be honest, I haven't even thought about that possibility until I watch your short and spoke to you about it. It didn't even occur to me that that was something that you could do. And I think it's also because it doesn't get talked about. You do hear about becoming an organ donor when you pass, but not when you're alive. So to be honest, and right here, right now, I actually don't know if I could. So that's a real good point. Who who the hell wants to talk about organ donation unless you're forced to talk about it. This is not something that we talk about over dinner. This is something that families talk about only when they're forced into a position where dad's sick, mom's sick, my daughter's sick. So that, that, that's an excellent point. So let's do a, I'll do a quick easy one. Is your mother still alive? Is she still with us? Yeah, my mom is. Okay. This is just pretend. But if, we, if you got a call in the middle of this broadcast and someone said, 
your mom just came back from the doctor and she's sick and she needs a new kidney to survive. If she doesn't get a kidney this week, she's not going to make it. Would you consider giving your mom one of your kidneys? I'm already in Spain. And I'm the operating okay. theater. <laughs> of course. So I ask that question it's a like, lot. I'm going there. <laughs> that's, that's what 99% of the people that I ask say, because, you know, why? It's mom. Mom gave birth to me. It's my mom. She, you know, all the reasons we know. So let's take another, another step. How about your next door neighbor? Let's say you find out when you get home tonight that your next door neighbor, you kind of, you know who they are. You don't see them that often, but once in a while. If he doesn't get a kidney this week, he's going to die. Now, this is not mom. This is next door neighbor. He's not listening to this broadcast. Would you consider giving him one of your kidneys? I would consider it, but I don't know whether if I actually go and do it, but it would definitely cross my mind. Okay, so the next one is one block down. And the more I extend this circle, mom, absolutely mom. The next door neighbor, probably, maybe, but you've got about a thousand questions you're going to want to start asking before you say mm. yes as quickly as you did with mom. And a block down the street, 10 blocks down the street, 20 miles over there, to me, and again, we're all different, but for me, the connection was I lost my dad. We can help somebody else stop that feeling of loss for a little while. Yeah, I have questions. What will it do to me? Will I have long-term issues? Will I have scars that people will look at me and go, ooh, you're Frankenstein. Will I still be able to have a beer? Will I still be able to, you know, go bungee jumping if I want? So it just got me on a path to start asking the questions. And when the answers started coming back, that didn't freak me out. They were, you know, well, that's okay. That, that makes sense. I just kept, without realizing it, I wasn't really going to do it. I told you, I was just curious. I was just asking questions. And the more the answers came back that didn't freak me out, I was inching myself closer to that operating table. Mm, I love the thought you said you got curious, though. I think yeah. this is what we all need to do, don't we? Wake up and get curious. Isn't that where the fun is? That's the mm. fun in life. I mean, I don't want to sit back and do nothing. I love talking to people I don't know. I love, uh, and for this one, Okay, so this is interesting. Next week will be the 20th anniversary of my donation. And at the time, 20 years ago, people weren't doing this. People were donating to help their mother. They were mm -hmm. donating to help their neighbor. But they, when I first asked, can I, can I donate, send me information, they were happy. They sent me all kinds of information. It was all how to donate after you were dead, how to you know, leave your parts mm -hmm. uh, for science. Mm -hmm. And I got all the information and went, huh. Yeah, I'm not dead yet. So I called him back and said, thanks, got all the information, but I'm considering donating now to somebody who's alive, not after I'm dead. And they said, oh, sorry, we misunderstood. Is it for a family member or a friend? I said, well, I'm just curious about maybe giving it to whoever needs it the most. And there was <laughs> silence on the phone. Uh, and eventually she said, you can't do that. It's illegal. And then at the time I was a little surprised. And she said, yeah, there's something called the national waiting list. It's run by the government. And the way people that need organs are put on this list is how old you are, how sick you are, how long you've been on the list. And once all these statistics are, are put into the computer, it calculates this person gets first on the list, this person second. And if I come along and say, hey, here's a kidney, give it to who needs it the most, 
and I had said, I want to give it to somebody in my, my neighborhood in the Washington, D.C. area. They said, what happens if somebody in a different part of the country is higher up the list? It fights protocols, and so you can't do that. And I went, okay, I hear you, but bummer. And she said, <laughs> give us your name and phone number, and if anything ever changes, we'll call you. And I'm like, sure you will. <laughs> Holy shit. Two years later, my Two phone years. rang two years. And they said, uh, is this the guy who said he wanted to give his kidney away? And I laughed going, Hey, slow down. I didn't say I want to do it. I just said I was curious and I had questions and they invited me in and they told me that the very first non-designated organ donor program had just been established in Washington, DC, right where I lived. Wow. And they said, if you want, you can come in and ask questions. And they came in with my list of 15 questions. The ones I was saying before, scars, can I still have fried chicken? Can I still drink a beer? Uh, and I went through all those, and that's what started me on the path, asking those curiosity questions. It's incredible, though, that it was actually being done in Washington as well, like it was meant yeah. to be, really. <laughs> you were there as a local already, curious. Kind of crazy, yeah. Mm -hmm. And when you asked Lucia earlier about whether she would do it, my instant thought was, because I've got three children, would that be a responsible thing to do? And I think, have you got, did you have family? You, you must sure. have family, yeah, 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 children. Yeah. yeah. I like the way you said that. Would it be a responsible <laughs> thing to do? That's really, that's using this, right? Yeah. Is it responsible? Yeah. <laughs> what is this saying? You know, yeah, is it yeah. responsible? My daughter's not going to be here tomorrow unless I do this. Mm -hmm. Or even Bob, the next door neighbor. See, now you're getting into reality. And mm -hmm. what's important? Gee, I don't like cilantro in my food. That to me is important when it's in my mouth. Going, eh, I hate that. Yeah. But what's important? Life and death is important. That's, yeah. Yeah. It prioritizes yeah. Uh, maybe some of my headaches. And so for me, it was wasn't that it was a hard decision. I I would not have done this had I got information back that said, gee, there's a 50% chance you're not going to wake up from surgery. Yeah, I'm, I'm not an idiot. Mm -hmm. I asked the right questions. Mm -hmm. But all the answers kept coming back going, you know, it's more dangerous to do a lot of things I'm already doing yeah. than it is to do this. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it's about getting the information, isn't it, right, I suppose. And then you right. make a better decision. And you can use your heart then and not just your head. You know, I also tell people, to donate while you're alive called living donation. Of course, I'll use the word that's extreme and you would only do it if maybe you could save somebody's life or somebody you knew. I, I get it. But why more people don't here in the States, you can sign your driver's license to signify that you want your organs used after you pass. Why more people don't do that. You're done with them. You mm -hmm. don't need them anymore. Why mm -hmm. would, you, would they not? Mm -hmm. But still lots of people who likes talking about being dead. Nobody wants to think about it. Nobody wants to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so too many people die every day waiting for something that we can fix. Yeah, I'm assuming that you wouldn't need living donors if more people were donating anyway. Absolutely. You wouldn't need mm -hmm. any. No. Not for kidneys. Mm. That is definitely fruit for thought. There was another thing when obviously learning about your story that I also found interesting because obviously after you decided to then go ahead and donated your kidney and the recipient had it and obviously it was a success and she's, as far as I'm concerned, still well in life today. But, you know, one of the things that happened to you after that was the possibility of you meeting her and her meeting you. 
Um, and you were a bit concerned about doing that. And what I found really, you know, heartwarming in a way was that your thought process was, what if she doesn't like me? And I think that is such a human being trait, like all of us have this fear of what if we don't belong? What if they don't like us? What if I am not what they think I am? But when you put it in the context of you've just literally given life to somebody, to still have those thoughts is something that in a way it kind of, it really touched my heart. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe that she, he's done such thing. And well, still let me, that fear. Let me, let, me tr- let me try to take away the part that makes you look like such a nice guy. Uh, so, so in order to do this back then the deal was you can't know who you're giving to you're giving blindly young old black white male female that's the deal you give to whoever needs it the most and so gave my kidney in the morning and that night i'm you know I'm in my hospital bed. I'm still filled with drugs. I'm, I have zero pain. Uh, my wife's standing next to me and the phone rang and I picked it up and it was the person in charge of the program. And she says, look, I'm not supposed to tell you anything about the recipient, but I want to share a little bit. Do you want to know? And I went, sure. So, well, it's a woman. She's a wife and a mother. She's an accountant. She lives in Springfield, Virginia, which was about 20 minutes from where I lived. They said she'd been on the waiting list for a dozen years. And they said, as soon as they put your kidney inside of her, it started keying up a storm. And I remember going, is that good or bad? (laughs) And she laughed a little bit and said, as soon as they put your kidney inside of her, it started functioning immediately. It was great. And so the next day, I'm leaving the hospital. And they came to me and said, you know, if both the donor and the recipient agree to meet, they'll introduce each other. They said, do you want to meet? And at the time, uh, I went, sure. Look, it's like reading a book. I've read the whole book. I want to read the last chapter, of course. But then two months goes by, I'm healed, I'm feeling great. And the phone rings and they said, hey, we're trying to organize that gathering. And I said, I changed my mind. And they kind of freaked a little bit and they go, what do you mean? I said, well, look, this, this really has been a fairy tale. Once upon a time, there was a guy whose father passed and he asked questions and he was on a surgeon's table and he gave a kidney and went into the lady and peed up a storm and they all lived happily ever after. That's a really good story. I kept thinking, it can't get better than that. Once you put real people and you introduce real people to each other, it can only take a step back. And what I was really concerned with, you want to pull the curtains back, wasn't whether she'd like me or not. Research had told me that most of the folks waiting for kidneys in the D.C. area were black. And I'm not. And my big fear was, what happens when they introduce us? I walk in the room, and I know she wouldn't. But what happens if she looked at me and went, ew, part of him is in me? And I'm sure she probably wouldn't have done that, but without... I didn't do this for somebody to say thanks. Uh, I did it to help family and create new ripples over over there. And so I said, no, I I don't want to run the risk of ruining this great fairy tale. And they understood. But a couple days later, they called me back and said, look, we respect your decision, but we want to pass along a note from the recipient. She said she wanted to tell you she doesn't want anything. She just wants to thank you and your family for helping her and her family. 
And when they told me that, I gathered my, my small family and we kind of said, okay, uh, let's do this. So almost two months exactly after surgery, they held a press conference. It was us, there was the surgeons. And before surgery, I wasn't nervous a bit, not at all. I had asked my thousand questions. They'd all been answered. But walking down that hallway, getting ready to walk into that conference room, I was nervous. I was peeing in my pants. It was, <laughs> it was, it was crazy. Uh, but the door opens. I mean, you couldn't find two more opposite people. I'm a tall, white, loud, talkative <laughs> guy. Uh, I don't want lightning to hit you guys through this broadcast, but I question the existence of the big G. I, I just, I'm not sure how that works. And she, the recipient, is a tiny, black Ethiopian woman. She's the most serious Christian I've ever met. She barely talks above a whisper. She's about this tall. I mean, physically, spiritually, in every possible way you can measure people, we are totally opposite. And yet, we are as close to being family today as I am with my family family. So when I met her that first day, it was obvious we were two very different folks. But in sharing our story, we sat down for about two hours and had to explain to each other, how did we end up in this room together? Mm -hmm. And I shared with uh, her almost exactly what I shared with you here today. And she shared how she had been so sick for so long and uh, the doctors had given her days to live. And I just kept thinking to myself, I don't think I've had a day of pain in my life. They've had so many challenges that have been thrown at them, how fortunate I, I've been, and as, and as different as we were, this was, to me, the perfect example of giving gives you so much more than getting. Mm -hmm. might not make too much sense to somebody listening to this, but not a day goes by, and it's been 20 years, not a day goes by that for some amount of time, I go, I did that. Gannett's still here. I talk with her regularly. I've got no issues. I, if I knew you better, I'd take my shirt off and show you. You can't see the scars. <laughs> They've disappeared. I don't have to eat special pills. I can eat or drink whatever I want. Nothing. And because some talented doctors were able to take a piece of gooey something out of me and put it inside of her, boy, that's truly, again, all happily ever mm. after. It's just a really mm. good story. Mm. It's beautiful, though, and I feel that I, I, even just seeing you through Zoom that I can feel that it's meant so much to you and that I think she gave a lot to you as much as you gave to her in a way by being able yeah. to mm -hmm. give yeah, her. Absolutely. And, been, and wanting uh, to meet you as well. You know, people say that's such a selfless thing you did. And I go, yeah, but you're not inside my head. To me, it's not self. It, it's selfish, not selfless, because I do get so much from that. So I've focused in on, I volunteer as a, as a speaker on organ donation, focusing mostly on young high school kids, uh, those that are about to get their driver's license, because one of the questions on the application here is when you get your driver's license, do you want to be an organ donor? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I share, I don't want them to say yes. I just don't want them to say yes or no so fast without considering it because they want their driver's license so bad. I want them to stop, consider it, and make a good decision. So kids have no filters. They hear my story and they ask some of the funniest questions, uh, you know, but to me, it's all about don't do crazy things, but do what you can. That yeah. fits 
life mm. in all kinds of different ways. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, that's obviously it's, it's worlds apart one and another, but in a way is similar to what you do in coaching, which is what Fleur and I do is asking those questions, be curious. So kind of like that journey that you went through, but it is definitely something that we have noticed as well. And I think this applies everywhere is you can't force anybody to do anything but what you can do is plant the seed and if in all those talks that you're given you can at the very least plant the seed of those young people and think well you know what I may not go to the extent of becoming a you know living organ donor but I'm going to click on here I'm going to cross this box because I do want to save somebody else's life later on that definitely is something that goes a great way you can never underestimate the impact or the repercussions that listening to the story or asking those questions is going to produce so let me tell you this let me tell you about harold the farmer so i planted a bunch of seeds and i and i know i know that most of those seeds whether they die on the vine or actually grow and sprout without me knowing about it because it's in my rearview mirror they're behind me but over the last 20 years there's been press on me. There's been radio, there's been television, there's been articles. And I have a file in my computer of over 20 people that have reached out to me, have said, look, you don't know me, but I wanted to let you know that your piece of their scale, they read about me, they heard me speak somewhere. And because of that, they raised their hand and ended up donating to mom, to a neighbor, to someone they didn't know. I'm always going, Oh, that's so crazy. The ripples of me just doing this were enough for some people to start asking questions and they started their own path. I think that's, that's tremendous. That's the way, you know, that's how I ended up donating. I've not gone back to the folks that I read about, but I could easily go back and say, I read an article about you 25 years ago, which led me to give my kidney to somebody. I know how that makes me feel when, mm. when people reach out to me that way. It's, it's, it's nice the way the circle keeps going. Yeah, and it just highlights to me that we can all make a difference by doing something good and it has a knock-on effect. Yeah. So no one should be sit, sitting at home listening to this thinking they can't do something good. Every little thing that somebody does, which is good, has a knock-on effect and hopefully then they go and do something good. Mm. Pass it on. Yep. Pass it on, exactly. So, mm. Harold... Is there any question that you wished we had asked you today that we haven't? Hmm. No, I, I think we're good, but I, I, I can share with you because, again, I understand that nobody really wants to talk about this. Nobody really wants to do this unless they're forced. So I had asked my son years ago. This is after I donated. He knows I speak to different groups about it. So I said to him, hey, when you're done with your parts and pieces, are you going to donate you know, your organs? And he went, no, cool. There's not a right answer or a wrong answer. Whatever you want to do is perfect. I said, how come? And he goes, it might hurt. I went, yeah, I'm not, I'm not talking about doing what I did. I'm not saying about, you know, being a living donor. I mean, after you pass and when you donate, maybe then would you consider doing it? And he goes, no, I know what you meant. It might hurt. I'm going, are you saying that after you donate, after you die and you donate, it might hurt? He went, yeah. Okay. 
I've never been dead before. I can't, I can't <laughs> refute. I can't say I don't think that's accurate. But everybody's got their own pathway. Everybody's got their own set of questions that they want to ask. I think you hit the nail on the head a few minutes ago. It's, for me, one of the enjoyments of life is asking questions, meeting people I've never met before. I just get a kick out of that. If that's the kind of thing that works for you, start asking the questions. And if you want to ask me questions, please feel free to reach out Harold, Harold 13 at yahoo.com. That's my email address. I would love to answer any questions you might have and point you in the right directions to get answers. If I can. We'll make sure to put that in the comments as well. So people can reach out. I'm sure there will be, you know, plenty of those. And Harold, thank you so much. I was, I was going to ask you how you can sum up in one sentence. How have you made your life better? I'm not sure I've made my life better, but I got to tell you, when the road splits and you've got a decision to make, do I want to go this way or this way? For me, I'm always choosing the direction that looks most fun, the most joy, not the easiest, but the one that's going to lead me to the most joy. I'm taking that exit every time. I recommend it highly. Oh, Harold, I love that. You're so inspiring. Thank you so much for being with us. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Uh, That was lovely. So people, for those of you listening, if you're walking away today with anything, let it be which one of those paths is that going to lead me to more joy. And just after that, if we learn one thing, it's just be curious, ask questions, whatever direction that is. And the more you drill into those, then that's how you will find your answer. So Harold, thank you very much for being with us today. And to all of those of you listening to us, thank you very much for tuning in one more week. We definitely appreciate your support. Please do share with anybody that you think would benefit from listening to us, to this series. Subscribe if you haven't done so, so you get notified when a new episode comes live. And we hope to see you here next week. Until then, as Harold just said, please choose whatever is going to bring you joy. Thank you very much.